Are you turning your Bible to Matthew chapter 6? <laughs> well, this is really precious to hear all these testimonies, isn't it? God bless you. That's really beautiful. Beautiful. I appreciated the message last Sunday night as Brother Ron, uh, Brother Randy Vault brought it to us. I always call him Rondy. Ron or something like that. But anyway, Brother Randy Vaught, you were a blessing as you preached on loving God with all our heart. In Matthew chapter 6, Jesus taught us, I think, something that sometimes we take glibly or we ignore it altogether. It's, it begins in verse 9. The disciples said, Lord, teach us to pray. And here's what Jesus said to them. And I wish you would pray it with me. And if you would like to have your eyes open and look right at the Bible, you can pray that way. But let's make this a prayer. Remember, this is the model prayer. It is not the Lord's Prayer. The Lord's Prayer is found in John 17. But this is the model prayer. And let's look at it and ask God to speak to us and teach us to pray through it. After this manner, therefore, pray ye, everyone, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. There are ten divisions in this prayer that Jesus taught us. Our Father, we cannot pray unless we're right related to God and we can call him our Father. Not everyone can say our Father. <clears throat> Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by him. And if a man does not know Jesus Christ as Savior, he cannot come to him and say, Our Father. And so, immediately there are some bounds or boundary lines placed around effective prayer. And we recognize immediately that effective prayer has to be made by one whose faith is in Jesus Christ, and he comes saying, Our Father, Our Father. And then we read, Who art in heaven? Recognizing that the Father in heaven is not somebody, he's not even the man upstairs, but he's the Lord of heaven and earth, and he dwelleth in the heavens. His throne is in the north of the heavens. And when we pray, we need to realize that while He is by our side as the Holy Spirit, our Father rules this universe, our Father who art in heaven. Hallowed be thy name. Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God lightly. We all recognize that it's wrong to say God and connect it with some word like damn or hell, some oath, we realize that that's wrong. 
But I wonder how many of us realize that it's wrong to take the name of the Lord lightly. We've taken his name upon us if we're Christians, if we're saved. We are called by his holy name. And we're not to take that name lightly. In Exodus chapter 20, thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. A better translation of that is to say, thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God lightly. Don't make it a light thing. Don't think it a light thing that you are called by his holy name. And so in the prayer that Jesus taught us, he taught us to honor the name, honor the name of God, hallowed be thy name. The name of God, the personal name of God, the covenant name of God in the Old Testament, Yahweh, Jehovah. It was so sacred to the people that when a scribe came to that word, those, those consonants in the original manuscript, that scribe would put Adonijah in announcing the name if he was if he was if he were reading he would not name the name Yahweh or Jehovah like we do that's the reason for years and years no one really knew how to pronounce that name we still don't know exactly there are only consonants in the Hebrew and we're not really sure how to pronounce that name Yahweh Jehovah but the name is so sacred hallowed be thy name thy kingdom come a prayer that the kingdom of the Lord shall come thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven now this is not only a prayer for the rule of God in our hearts thy kingdom come Jesus said the rule of God the kingdom of God is within you but Jesus also taught us that the kingdom of God is future and so built into the model prayer is a petition in the Christian's heart, Lord, this world is not my home. I'm just passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. The angels beckon me from heaven's open door and I can't feel at home in this world anymore. God forbid that we should ever become settlers, that we should ever settle down, become inhabitants in this earth. We're sojourners, we're pilgrims, we're on our way to a city whose builder and founder is God. And built into every prayer needs to be that heart cry, Lord, I have a longing in my heart for Jesus. I have a longing in my heart just to be near him, just to see him. God forbid that we should ever become so content with the things of the earth no matter how precious they are, family, friends, job, church, all of it, God forbid that we should ever become so content with this that we lose our longing for heaven. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven, and seemingly it is connecting the kingdom with the kingdom of heaven, the will of God that is done in heaven, and God help help this to come to pass in the earth and I would offer my life to you so that earth can become more like heaven is earth more like heaven because you passed by today somebody's life 
You know, one of our big, big problems, and I suppose you could class it as a sin, is that we're all so busy. We're so busy. We're so busy doing good things, important things, vital things, that many times we don't make this earth more like heaven. We're too big in a hurry. We're like the priest. We're like the Levite who passed down when they saw that man on the side of the road in such turmoil and trouble that did not have time to stop. They were on their way, on their way to something important. And nobody could dispute that what they were doing was important. And then a Samaritan, a despised, loathed Samaritan came along and he had time to pick that man out of the ditch. Lord, help us to be more like that. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. And give us this day our daily bread. Where's our daily bread going to come from? Let's not ever forget that it comes from God. If you've got a job, God gave you the ability to have that job. God gave you the strength to work it. And if God doesn't keep on doing that, pretty soon you're not going to have a job. Remember that. And so, your main business at that job is to honor the Lord God. That's your business. That's your the reason when a man tells me that he works in a, he sells whiskey, or he has some kind of a job that has immoral connotations, and then he says, well, I have to do it, you know, I have to make my money, I have to live, I have to make money for my children, I have to buy my bread and all that, I just mark it down in my heart and sometimes say it to him, you have forgotten that it's the Lord that gave you the strength to have the job. And you don't have a right to have a job if you're bearing the name of the Lord. You don't have a right to have a job that doesn't honor Him. Young people, remember that when you go out in the world to get a job. Don't compromise your convictions. You don't have to sell beer. You don't have to sell whiskey. You don't have to do things that, honor, that, that compromise the convictions of God in your life. You don't have to do it. I believe God will take care of you some other way. Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us. Oh, here's a hard one. Forgive us our debts as we forgive those who have debts that they owe to us. <laughs> what a way to conclude the prayer, Lord. Why did you tell us that? Why, Lord, there's a man that owes me $1,000. You mean I'm supposed to forgive him because I want you to forgive me for some of my sins? Why, Lord, uh, that man wronged me. He, he talked against me. He was ugly to me. Should I forgive him? Forgive us our debts as we forgive those who have debted us. You know, that's not an easy verse to follow, is it? But I want you to notice something at the end of that prayer. We'll get to it in a moment. It's really, really the crux, and I believe it's the crux for revival. 
Jesus went on to say, Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Lead us not into temptation. Lord, lead us. Savior, like a shepherd, lead us. Oh, lead us, Lord. We need your tender care. And you know if he'll lead us, if he leads us, he's not going to lead us into temptation. And so I think that what he's saying is, Lord, you lead us. And if I'll follow where you lead, I'm not going to fall into the slew of despond and temptation. Deliver us from evil. Thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Now look at verse 14. Jesus said, For if ye forgive not, for if ye forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if ye forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Lord, help that to be true in our lives, the lives of every one of us. Give us forgiving hearts, a heart that loves and a heart that forgives and a heart that is open. I believe that's revival. <clears throat> I want that in my life. And I want that about our church. And I believe when we're able to forgive. You know, it's not possible to live in this world without somebody stomping on our toes, hurting us every once in a while. I should ask you tonight how many of you have ever been hurt or offended how many of you have ever had somebody really crush you break your heart nearly every hand would go up God says Jesus says if you really want to be on speaking terms with the Lord if you want power in prayer if you want power in your life then forgive others just like you expect God to forgive you. That's not easy, but it's powerful. In two weeks, we're going to have a series of meetings. Oh, God, send revival, a refreshment in our own hearts. Prepare us for what God wants to do through us in the lives of others. I don't believe the power of God is limited today any more than it was at Pentecost, any more than it was when Jesus healed blind eyes or caused the lame to walk. Do you remember when Jesus went to Nazareth? The scripture explicitly says he could not do many mighty works there because of something. What was it? Their unbelief. Their unbelief. Bowling Green is a city, a city of many churches, a city of culture, a city of a great university, a city of wonderful schools, a city of industry, a city that is growing. The projections have it that by the year 2000, perhaps Bowling Green will have 90,000 to 100,000 people. If the Lord tarries, the city is growing. And with all of the culture and all the religion and all the education and all of the industry, everything here, there's something else in this city. 
that is insidiously like a cancer. It is unbelief. Unbelief. And it starts in the lives of believers. I don't think, I don't think that the power of God would be limited in Bowling Green if believers could have an open heart, an open mind, and could allow the power of God to flow through us like a channel. We're just channels. And the, the love of God just flows through us. Most of you know Jim Garrett. Brother Jim used to be pastor of Victory Chapel, Glendale Baptist Chapel, which is now Victory Baptist Church. He came to Western University, surrendered to preach. He became, he was licensed and ordained. He became the first pastor of our chapel, our mission. And we were going to have a revival meeting. It was the spring of 1961. And I, Jim used to live over where Mr. B.C. Wimpy lives now. That was the home of Mr. and Ms. R.H. Glazier. And we pulled in the driveway. I was taking him home that night. We had had a meeting of, of youth. I used to be able to work very, very closely with all of our young people. I, I wish I could do that all the time. But we'd had a meeting, sort of a beef session with our youth. And we'd talked about revival and getting the gospel out across the city. And as we drove up in that driveway, we just had a word of prayer. And I asked Jim to lead us. And, and Jim prayed, Lord, help this revival to touch Western University. And we finished praying. He looked at me and said, tomorrow I'm going into the president's office and ask if the evangelist can preach on campus at, a, at an assembly. <clears throat> well, I said, Jim, that's never done at Western. <clears throat> he said, I know it, but I believe it can be. I said, Jim, you really believe that? He said, well, sure, I believe it. We prayed again. The next day, he went into the office of Kelly Thompson, who was president at that time, and asked him if Harlan McGinnis could speak at an assembly at Van Meter Auditorium to which the students came. They were required to come. And Kelly Thompson said, well, we don't ever have preachers doing that, but, uh, but you seem pretty persuaded, pretty persuasive, and pretty confident that uh, this is the thing to do. I think we'll do it. And lo and behold, we had an assembly at Van Meter Auditorium, and all those students came, and the revival meeting moved into Western University, and scores of university students were saved because somebody dared to believe. That's repeated again and again and again. We've had some football men. We've had some students in our university who have said, well, let's take this evangelist and go over and have a meeting in the dorms. And they've dared to do it. And then, bucking the tide, they go up and knock on doors and urge people to come. And 20 to 30 to 40 or 50 to 60 young people come and fill that, that place and hear the man of God. And God speaks. We are not limited except in our belief or our unbelief. The only thing that limits God is our unbelief. Let's tonight dedicate our belief our confidence, our faith to Him. Now, in order to do that, we have to have a clear conscience. We have to confess our sins, get rid of them, and trust God to forgive us. And then if we have ought against anyone, we need to make it right with them. Let's do that. May we pray. Father, we thank Thee for the privilege of prayer. 
We pray tonight that the Spirit of Jesus will move across our heartstrings and everyone here will be moved closer to Calvary because we've been together. Lord, send revival. Let it begin in our hearts tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Will you stand, please? Have thine own way, Lord, have thine own way. Thou art the potter, I am the clay. If there's one person here tonight who has a commitment to Jesus Christ that you need to make, will you come? It may mean trusting Christ as your Savior. If you've never been saved, you need the Lord as your Savior. You come. If you're already a Christian, and somehow there's been unbelief in your life, and God's going to give you faith, you're asking Him for greater faith, you come. There's some who ought to move your membership to this church and be part of Glendale Baptist Fellowship while you're here in this city. You come. Whatever the Holy Spirit has said to you, you do it. We'll not sing very long tonight, but as God speaks to your heart. And let's, let's every one of us make it real in our heart. Lord, have thy way. Whatever it means, have thy way in my life tonight. While we sing, will you come?